All right, you ready? I am adequately prepared, my friend. All right, I'm going to get it right the first time. If I don't, leave it in. Your Xbox Game Pass Game of the Month Club. I'm Spencer. And I'm Mark. That spells spark. Your spark of inspiration to explore Game Pass. Charging sequence at 30%, 50%, Chief, 70%, 90%. This is Spark Pass. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Spark Pass podcast, your monthly Game of the Month game club podcast about the xbox <laughs> game pass ecosystem you My nailed it sir i'm mark you nailed it buddy you absolutely crushed it first time out no problem i'm leaving all that in Whew. all right that was a mouthful i don't even know where like i i like lost myself halfway through that sentence i think and then i was like all right we're, we're looping it back we're looping it back we're good we're good you want me to give it a shot because i can i've got it all down because i was the one that wrote all this shit yeah you can do it. Okay. Welcome to Spark Pass, your Xbox Game Pass Game of the Month Club. My name is Mark here with Spencer. What's going on, Spence? Hey, man. Uh, I'm really good at intros. So, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm good. I'm doing great. It's a great day. Yeah, it's man, not it's... a thousand degrees outside anymore. The leaves are, are falling. The weather's getting cold. It's getting spooky. It's my time of year, man. It's my time to shine, baby. Yeah, for sure. It is definitely turning to my favorite time of the year just for weather's sake cuz I hate super hot and I hate Dude, super right? cold. Like just it just being like 70. That's perfect. Yeah. I can wear a hoodie if I feel like it, but I don't have to. It's great. Dude, hoodie and like hoodie, a pullover hoodie and shorts is literally my favorite outfit of all time. Same. I sleep in that shit. Constantly. Yeah, like it is it is chef kiss perfect. You know what else is Chef Kiss perfect? Ah, Xbox Game Pass. It is a phenomenal service. And this month, we're playing Man of Medan. Yes, we are. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to burp. I didn't want to burp right in the microphone. I was like, that's gross. Yeah. yeah dude, I'm excited. We're we're getting into into, no pun intended, my waters. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah, this is definitely, and I I was definitely intrigued by this game after playing it and didn't have exactly the reaction I thought I was going to have to it, so I'm very interested okay. to get into this conversation. I'm interested to hear what you have to say then. But we'll get into that in just a second. First, you want, you want to get through some Game Pass news real quick? Yo, hit me with that news, man. All right, so as of time of recording, I unfortunately have to report that we do not yet have the article that I usually go by uh, to tell me what games are coming out. So I don't have every game that's coming in the first half of October, but what I've decided to do instead, and I might just do this going forward anyway, I've kind of selected out four of the heavy hitters that we know are coming. So I'm just going to talk about those. Hopefully y'all are cool with that. If not, Google it, bro. I don't know. Yeah, it's good. We know how it's going to go. That article is going to come out as soon as we stop recording. So, you know, it'll, I don't know, we'll retweet it or something. It's fine. Everything will be fine. Hey, everybody, it's Mark from the future, the ghost of future Spark Past. Ooh, spooky. It's the spooky episode. Y'all remember that bit that we just did that was like, hey, I bet they'll announce some Game Pass news after we record the show. Wasn't that a funny bit? Did you like it? Well, anyway. Marvel's Avengers came out. 
<laughs> Marvel's Avengers was announced for Game Pass. Came out September 30th for console, cloud, and PC. Um, if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, I would highly recommend checking it out. Uh, I love this game. I'm one of its biggest defenders, honestly. Uh, I think it's better than people give it credit for. I'm not going to sit here and say it's a game without flaws, because it absolutely has some flaws. But I really enjoyed the story content especially, and that 20 hours of story content is now basically free with your Game Pass sub, because you don't have to buy any expansions to play it. All of the DLC for this game has been free. So that right there is a huge reason to go check it out. I think the other reason this is a big deal is because now... We have a limited form of crossplay because this is a play anywhere title PC and Xbox. If you play the Windows Store version, of course, I know you're gonna have to give up Steam for this PC gamers. I'm terribly sorry. Whatever will you do? But we now have a limited form of crossplay between PC and Xbox, and this game has been begging for crossplay for so long. So now having a limited form of it is awesome. I'm super excited about this game coming to Game Pass. I'm going to try to talk Spencer into playing it. I don't know how successful we'll be in that mission. Obviously, we've got a lot to cover for November and December already. So, uh, hopefully, we'll get to do an episode on Marvel's Avengers at some point in the future. Maybe not. We'll see what happens. But in any case, if you have been curious about this game, but have, you know, been put off by the reviews and put off by how the gaming community has smashed it with a hammer over the past year, I would highly recommend giving it some thought giving it a shot it's free with your game pass sub if you hate it just delete it you know so marvel's avengers is out now for game pass go check it out now back to the past to play some shitty games that suck ass no this isn't why am i doing an angry video game nerd bit it's 2021 for fuck's sake first game coming out october 1st coming to console only which i found a little bit odd but it's only console this is phoenix point uh, this is a game that is made by the original XCOM team. So the first XCOM, the reboot that came out, was made by one team for Axis, and they made the sequel as well. Uh, this is the team that made the original game back in the day, and it's sort of their vision of what an XCOM reboot should look like, obviously without the license. XCOM, pretty popular game, so cool to see this one coming into Game Pass, and it's a, you know, a genre that's a little bit underserved in the Game Pass library right now. Yeah, that is really interesting. That's only coming to console. Like that, I've always thought games like that feel perfect for PC. I wonder, and I didn't look this up, so I don't know. I wonder if they have some sort of PC exclusivity distribution deal. Mm. Like if they're on like the Epic Store or something. Mm -hmm. That's very possible. Yeah, uh, I, I'm willing to bet that that's the case, but I, I don't know for certain. But yeah, you are right that that kind of seems like tailor-made for PC, so odd. Second game I've got on the list here, and this is probably the big one for the month. I think this is the one that's going to have the most eyeballs on it. Coming to console cloud and PC on October 12th, Back for Blood. Um, I feel like this is a game a lot of people were really excited about initially, and then the betas came out. There were some, some complaints about the betas. Mm -hmm. um, I know you played in both betas. What was sort of your read on it? So I was excited for this game because, well, a lot of reasons, but the main one being that it is essentially a Left 4 Dead, not, you know, sequel, not reboot, but it is it is basically an updated Left 4 Dead. It's right. the same team that made the game. They're just at a different studio. Uh, 
I really dig it. I like where it's going. The card system is really cool. And I think once we actually get into the game, like the little bit that I got to do with it in the beta was really fun. And I feel like it's going to be able to keep this game fun for a long time. Mm-hmm. Where if you play Left 4 Dead for too long, it can kind of start to feel a little stale just because there's only so much I can run from point A to point B, murder zombies, get in a safe spot and do it again three or four times in a row before it's like, okay, well, you know, now what? What's next? Right. So the card system is super cool. The only complaint that I really had for it was the first weekend alpha that they did before the beta. It was the alpha it went from zero to a hundred in difficulty. So the first three like chapters or sections, whatever we want to call them, weren't that difficult. You know, it was a little, sometimes you'd get a little overwhelmed with a horde or you would get unlucky and have like two specials at the same time. But then when you get to the last part, there's a boat that you have to run on and set explosives and run off. Zombies literally never stop spawning at any point in time like there was never a moment where it was like okay there are no zombies for me to deal with at all and the first alpha weekend i don't think we finished it or if we did it was like we finally did it we're like all right i'm fucking done with that right it was infuriatingly more difficult and i'm fine with games having a little bit of a ramp up for like the final boss or the final section like that makes sense to me But this went from like we were playing on easy to we were playing on the hardest difficulty, like Dark Souls difficult, just difficult as a giant middle finger to you kind of thing, you know? Right. And I'm fine if people want to play on a difficulty like that. But, you know, that should be its separate difficulty, not in the same one that I'm in as I'm playing on the easy one to try to get through this for the first time ever. Right. Um, They did tune that a little bit for the second weekend the beta that they did more recently i think it still felt difficult but we finished it multiple times over the weekends that they had it i didn't feel like it was impossible uh we had a friend join us who does not play first person shooters at all like he just doesn't enjoy them really but we had a key and he was like hey i'd love to join you with you guys see if this is something i would like to play when it comes out with you because we all have game pass and we still made it through even you know needing to help a friend along a little bit so i think with that it was it's tuned better it's not quite perfect but it's better and that could be something too that gets even better when we can really dive into those cards and really get help because we were kind of just using like the beginner deck of everybody gets the same shit go have extra health sometimes so right i think once we really get to dive into the meat of the game that's gonna be different um I'm looking forward to it. I want to play the hell out of it because I love Left 4 Dead back in the day. I still love Left 4 Dead, so an an updated version is like right up my alley. And, you know, it's going to be on Game Pass. So worst case scenario, I try it. I don't dig it. I uninstall it. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely a game that was not super high on my radar. I know when everybody else in, in our Discord was like, hey, let's all try Back for Blood. Let's all try Back for Blood. I was kind of like, eh. I'm not huge on that style of game to begin with. Like, even though it is the year of the shooter, 2021, the year of our Lord, um, it's not something that particularly personally interests me, but like, right. if the download size isn't too egregious, shit, it's free. I'll give it a whack. Like, why not? You know? Yeah. I don't think it was a very big download if I remember right. That's, that's good. 
Okay, so I might I might end up giving that one a look, even though it's not really my jam. All right, so this next one that's coming out on October 15th. This one's just coming to console. Uh, I only picked this one out because I think it has uh, a developer heritage that will be interesting to you. So this is The Good Life. Um, it is a mystery game, a murder mystery game, with Animal Crossing-esque, like, cutesy aesthetics. Um... And this game is directed by Swery, the mind behind Deadly Premonition, which is a game yes. I know you love. I remember seeing this. So, so this is coming out in, in the middle of October. Uh, I don't know too much about it other than that. I know its development history was kind of plagued by like, they did a Kickstarter, it failed. They did another one, it succeeded. They finally hooked up with a publisher now. I don't know too much more about it than that. But the only reason I brought it up is so that you could gush about Swery's games, because I know you love most of them. Yeah, I didn't even realize this was coming to Game Pass, to be honest with you. Okay, that's good. I was I was concerned because the only games I've played from him are, are Deadly Premonition and Deadly Premonition 2. And this didn't just immediately like grasp me like this would be up my alley. But I don't mm-hmm. know. If it's on Game Pass, I'm going to play it now. Like, for sure. 100%. Right. Like, originally, I was like, this might be a game I wait for to go on sale. But, you know, going to be on Game Pass. I'm just going to give it a go. I'm I'm looking at photos of it right now, and the main character in this picture I'm looking at is riding a sheep. Um, So, you know, I'm sold. This is going to be some goofy, sweary stuff that's still going to be fun. Yeah, for sure. I'm in. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. This dude has... He's sort of like, so you have Swery, who who you're who you're kind of into his games. I'm always into Suda Fifty One games, mm-hmm. dude that make like No More Heroes, and I feel like those guys are like cut from the same cloth of like weird ass Japanese auteur dudes yeah. who just make wacky stuff and and really like lean on their artistic vision, right? Oh so, yeah. Um, it's cool to see more Japanese made games coming to Game Pass too. Because I really feel like every month there's been an emphasis of finding at least one game, even if it's a small indie game or something like that, that's just, this is a Japanese-developed game. We're going to continue developing that market. The Series S has sold way better than expectations over there. Yeah. So one of the big things I've always felt like you give up whenever you come to the Xbox side is sort of admitting and going, okay, I'm not going to be able to play a lot of Japanese-made games over here. Mm-hmm. You know, because the the console's just not popular in Japan. But I am glad to see that that might be starting to shift a little bit. And even if it's just a niche, and even if it's just independent games from Japan, I'm totally cool with that. You know, just being able to see support from developers from that country on the platform, I think is a good thing for all parties involved. Yeah, I think so too. All right, the last game coming to Game Pass... So this one is only on PC, but I did notice that it's also coming to cloud. So I have no idea how this game is going to work on cloud unless it requires you to have a mouse and keyboard. But Age of Empires 4 is coming on October 27th. Uh, I only note this one. This is not a game you and I would be particularly interested in at all, I don't think. Mm -hmm. But um, the RTS market is so underserved right now. Like, there are so few real-time strategy games that come out every year. There's a ton of, like, 4X games and a ton of, like, the small-scale, like, XCOM-style games. There's a ton of those. But in terms of real-time strategy, like, StarCraft-style over the top, 
there's not a whole ton of those that come out anymore. It's a really underserved genre. And I think it's a big deal that Microsoft sees that need and goes, all right, no problem. We own Age of Empires. We're bringing that back. We're going to fill that gap. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I guess you can do cloud stuff on PC, can't you? Right. You can do that now. That's a relatively recent thing because all the cloud stuff up to like, I think last month was all on phone. Yeah. So I would think that it's going to be kind of in the similar vein of um, Stadia or Stadia, whatever Google calls it, um, where you can play anything on any machine as long as you have a good internet connection. Right. So like you could, I mean, I don't know if you could do it on a Chromebook, but like if you have a laptop or a low end desktop, you'd be able to sign into the account and just stream the game and you'd still have your mouse and keyboard controls. Right. That's what I would assume as well. Um, because I don't see how that game would work on a controller, to be frank. I mean, you um, can you can use a mouse and keyboard on tablets. Right. And a phone, really. It probably isn't a very good experience, but you can do it. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll be curious. I'm just curious to see how the cloud implementation works and what of the cloud systems that Microsoft has rolled out to this point it is actually supported on. Yeah. That I am really curious to see. Um, because if they do go all the way and say, Hey, you can play this game on a controller on cloud somehow that could lead to an Xbox console release at some point in the future. That would be kind of wild. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would even think they could still put it there because you can use a mouse and keyboard on your Xbox. Right. Exactly. As we talked about last month with flight sim, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, granted, I'm not a developer, so I can't say how difficult it would be to develop the game for the Xbox and the PC. I don't know exactly how to do that, but you know, right. I don't other know. people I mean, do it. <laughs> and I mean, obviously the RTS market is 100% PC first, right? Yeah. There, I think that's the biggest thing is there's just probably not a lot of people that want to play it on their Xbox. Right. For sure. So I I'm curious though, how that cloud rollout looks and whether that's like a, if there's like touch controls and stuff, and if it's like a first pass at, hey, hey, how does this maybe look on console? Because that is definitely a style of game that is underserved on PC and non-existent pretty much on console these days. Right. So, yeah, I'm curious to see how that that rollout looks. Um, that's all I've got for Game Pass news. So we're starting to get to that point of the year, October, where big stuff is coming out. I feel like Back for Blood is a pretty big hitter out of that group. Mm-hmm. Um, and Age of Empires, I think, is a bigger deal than people will make it out to be. Yeah, it's a niche market, but it's a niche market that's starving, you know? Yeah. So I feel like that's a bigger deal than people are making it out to be right now. Um, but overall, looks like a solid month on Game Pass once again. Obviously, November is where we're dropping the big bombs, right? So October... Good setup month with a couple of really good bangers in there. Looks like a solid month for Game Pass. Yeah, and that's not even like everything. Like you were saying before, we don't have the article yet, so there could be some some other cool stuff and surprises coming our way we don't even know about yet. Right. I am fully expecting to see a couple of horror drops given that it's October. You would think, right? Like right. It almost feels like it has to because when we were talking about what game to play, there's just not a lot of horror on there. And some of it's even leaving like Blair, Witch is leaving or already left. So we were down to what man of Medan, 
the medium outlast two and the two evil within games and i think that that was like it that was about it yeah there was not a whole lot so if we see that sort of section get filled up again in october i wouldn't be surprised and it'd be kind of nice yeah that would make me happy for sure yeah all right you ready to move into uh this big old dark dang picture I sure am. And I want to know, do you want me to ask you a fun, silly question first? Or do you want me to give some background on this game? Uh, let's give some background. Let's give some context as to what's going on with, uh, with Man of Medan. Sure. So Man of Medan is uh, developed by Supermassive Games, published by Bandai Namco. And it was the first game in the Dark Pictures anthology. So this all kind of came from the game until dawn that came out on the ps4 um that had um rami malik and hayden panettiere i think that's her name right is that who was in that game that yeah right. i think so yeah i think you're right. those were kind of like the two heavy hitter big names in that game and the way that these games do their mocap you get like the perfect facial recreation in the game uh so they made that game it got a pretty big following and it was a I don't want to say it was like a giant hit, but it did well, especially in the horror genre and the horror world. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know what? What if we made a bunch of those? That'd be cool, wouldn't it? And then they yeah. sure did. And they sure are. <laughs> yeah, they, sh- they sure are still making them. I actually have a funny anecdote about that. I was talking to my old roommate the other day. He told me that uh, Until Dawn was the reason he bought a PS4. Because he's a huge horror guy. Yeah. And it was an exclusive for the PS4. And that was the reason he ended up picking up the system. So obviously that game did extremely well for the market that it was targeting. And that led to this big old publishing deal with Bandai Namco. Yeah. And that is a hundred percent, not the only person I've heard say that there are other people who said the main reason they picked up a PS4 was to play until dawn and then said, you know what? There's a few other cool games on here that I can play like God of war and stuff. But until dawn was their pull in, which I mean, that's a big deal, man. That one game was the reason that somebody bought a whole console. That's a huge deal. Yeah, for sure. No, especially absolutely. to not be like a first party Sony title. Like it wasn't God of War or or anything like that. It was like, hey, this is just an off the cuff horror game that is going to live very heavily on 1980s and early 90s slasher tropes. Enjoy it. Yeah, and it did super well. Yeah, so that, that is that led to this whole Dark Pictures anthology. You want to talk about that a little bit, like what the idea is here? Right. So that led to the Dark Pictures anthology. Um, essentially, what that is is in the games you find "quote unquote" dark pictures, and that shows you um, future events that can happen depending on what choices you make in the game. These games are very very and i cannot stress this enough very choice driven and they will 1000 percent affect the outcome of the game even if you think it won't which i can go on a little bit of an upset rant about that for another game in the dark pictures anthology but that's not what we're here to talk about (laughs) that'll be another episode one of these days yeah uh apparently though they're releasing seven games every six months for the anthology was the original plan Damn. That has not happened. We're now in more of a yearly release, it looks like. Um, Let's see. When did Man of Medan actually come out? So Man of Medan came out on August 30th of 2019. 
Uh, we didn't see Little Hope, which is the next game in this franchise, until last October in 2020. And the next one that's coming out is um, House of Ashes is coming out October of 2021. So the, this month that you're yeah. listening to this episode. So that's changed a little bit. And you know what? I'm fine with that. I don't need a new game every six months. That's not enough development time, in my opinion. That is yeah. asking for games to be broken constantly. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's crunching developers super hard. Yeah, I'm totally yeah. with you there. It's like give me this cadence of every October people are in the mood for horror. It's, it's a good, it's a good yearly cadence if you want this to be a yearly franchise. Yeah. And I think that that works better too, because these games are solely horror games. They're not going to be, you know, like one of them's an action adventure or anything like that. They're all going to be horror. So to come out in October is the perfect time. You play it right before Halloween while you're watching your scary movies, your scary TV shows and all that kind of stuff. So I think it, it fits better than every six months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I totally agree with you. So the base plot and premise of this game is you play as multiple different characters who are on the ship um, or on a boat together. The boat gets taken hostage, and eventually you find your way onto an old, ginormous ship, which we see at the beginning to be around the time of World War II. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's like a pre-credit sequence that's basically just a short... It's essentially a tutorial that's like, hey, back yeah. in 1940-whatever, here's this old you know, warship making a stop in China, and that right. is sort of the basis of the beginning of the game. Yeah, and from there they pick up some uh, cargo that is, I'm not sure if it was known they were picking it up, if it's very secret, because it seems like none of the crew really know what's going on with this. They were just told, hey, put this on the boat, stay away from it. Um, and you kind of go from there. And what they've picked up is called Manchurian Gold. Yes. And when our, our character's boat is taken hostage by three fishermen pirates whatever you want to call them i guess you would call them pirates like modern day pirates is what they seemed like yeah um, they definitely sort of leaned into that whole aesthetic of them being pirates i'm not 100 percent. i mean obviously it's in the pacific ocean right so yeah i'm not entirely certain of the like nationality or like where these like fishermen pirate dudes come from i'm not entirely certain of that they do um, speak french Right. So I know it, it must be some French conquered territory, right? Right. But, so I know it must be that, but I, I didn't go in to do the research of, of what island that those folks would be from. Yeah, I didn't dig that deep into it either. Um, but I will say I did look up a little bit about what kind of inspired this story. So maybe that can give us some indications whenever we get to that. Mm -hmm. um, okay. But when they come on our boat... I, I think the initial idea was probably they were going to rob our our characters on the boat because they are definitely rich. And there is a scene in the beginning where one of them is literally throwing money into the ocean at these guys. Yeah, um, in, in probably the most unlikable move in fucking video game or film history, this fucking douchebag Conrad is just throwing money at these fishermen whose boat they fucked up to get them to go away. Like, yeah, it is so incredibly douchey and these characters absolutely earned getting their shit rocked thanks to that. Yeah, or at least Conrad did. Like, I yes. feel like I feel like anybody else who would have been around him. I'm like, yo, fuck off, dude. That's not cool. You're being an asshole for no reason. Stop it. 
Yeah. Uh, so that seems like what maybe kind of drove them to come back in the night to to rob them, which I mean, okay, that makes sense. Whatever. They're rich. These dudes are clearly bad dudes who are going to rob people. But when they get there, they find a, a, a coordinates piece of paper. Not a map, but it has coordinates on it, longitude, latitude, and it says Manchurian gold on it. And this is found by two other characters. Uh, Alex and Julia, they go um, deep sea diving. They find an old warplane, and in the warplane, they find this paper. So on the paper, it says these two... Um, this the location of it and Manchurian gold. The dudes see it and go, "Yo, there's gold here. We're going there and we're gonna get this gold." Right. Um, and then they get there and turns out it was not the kind of gold they were expecting. <laughs> yeah, as it yeah. So I feel like that's kind of the first thing we really need to get into with this game. Spoiler talk begins here, everybody. If you're yep. trying to avoid spoilers, if you haven't played the game, this is where you get off the ride. Yeah. Um, and you know, ma- even then I feel like the story spoilers are far less important than characters and how they can die and things like that. I agree because I think the story gets spoiled in the fucking prologue, to be honest right. with you. Um, I had a huge problem with this because the game treats Manchurian gold as if it is this gigantic mystery, right? As if it's like, what the hell is Manchurian gold? Ooh, it's gold. Isn't that cool? Buried gold at sea, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They treat it like it's a huge mystery. But at the beginning of the game, when the flashback sequence, which by the way, I hate this entire flashback sequence. <laughs> I think the whole thing sucks um, for a variety of reasons, um, which I can get into if you want. But in that sequence, you see the box of the Manchurian gold being lowered in a strange fog emitting from it. And then everyone on the ship starts going crazy. So immediately you as the viewer know, okay, that's a hallucinogenic, right? They're going crazy. People are dying of heart attacks. You as a smart person who watched Scooby-Doo once in your fucking life, (laughs) know that that is some kind of gas that's making them go crazy. Right. Mm -hmm. And then for three quarters of the fucking game, these absolute simpletons cannot figure this out. And it is so frustrating because the game treats it like it's this twist. When they give away the twist immediately and then, you know, don't deliver on anything past that. I could live with that if they delivered something past the manchurian gold reveal right right it was like here's the manchurian gold reveal and then this other thing happens that makes you really question like are there actual ghosts on this ghost ship right like they don't take the next step of saying yes okay manchurian gold is a hallucinogenic great job you're you solved the mystery mystery gang um (laughs) but they don't take that next step that like makes you question it you know You are certain from the second you find out Manchurian gold is a hallucinogenic gas that everything is solved by that, right? And this is horror. There's supposed to be like a bit of mystery. There's supposed to be a bit of like, well, that's what the logical person would say, but oh shit, there really are ghosts, right? You know, like I was waiting for that part of the twist and it never came. And it's just like, ugh. 
Right. So why did you give it away at the beginning if you wanted me to be surprised by it? Yeah, and even from there, like, if you didn't pick it up in the beginning, you're walking around the ship and there's just this, like, fucking gold fog everywhere. And it's like, oh, hmm, that looks normal. Like, no, there's something strange happening here. How do these dickheads not see this? And then there's the part with Fliss, who was the captain of the original boat, uh, which I feel like we maybe should have talked about more, but that's fine. Uh, we can come back to it. Yeah. It's called the Duke of Milan. She is a uh, she's the ship captain and kind of like the headstrong person who you would think would figure this shit out. Right. There's a scene with her where she steps outside. And then steps back inside, and the entire inside of the boat has changed. Yes. So she steps outside, and before she steps out, it looks like this beautiful ballroom. And like maybe even there's a stage, so they may have had productions, or like people played music there for the crew. And it was like the nice area. And as soon as she steps out and steps back in, it's just a cargo hold again. Like it's just nothing. Right. And at no point does she go, huh, that's fucking weird. <laughs> right. Okay, so I will say that that is the sequence. Up until that sequence, I fucking hated this game so much, Spencer. (laughs) I cannot begin to describe to you how much I despised this game up until that point. Because once I hit that point and I opened that door and she got fresh air and the whole room changed, it was like, oh, I totally get what they're trying to get me to do here with the decision making. Because this is the game's strength is that, you know, you make these little decisions that seem innocuous and then they come up big in later moments. Uh, I wrote all this down, so let me, like, break down uh, this whole Fliss-Brad sequence, right? Because you have the initial sequence yes. uh, where they get on the boat. I think this Fliss-Brad sequence is the thing that sort of sold me on the game being not the dirt worst. Mm-hmm. Um Because I figured out that Manchurian Gold was the gas and the hallucinations right away, that whole Fliss-Brad sequence, I could figure out, okay, so they're going to both be freaking out by the gas, which means they get split up, and I'm immediately thinking, okay, when they run back into each other, they're both going to be hallucinating, which means they might attack each other. This is a death point, right? Right. I sort of gamed out, okay, this is a death point. And I had, before I gamed that out and figured it out that they were getting split up, Fliss grabbed a knife. So I'm like, oh shit, Fliss has a knife. That's not good. Yep. Um, Because she can stab Brad. So I'm looking for something through Brad's playthrough, through Brad's section in there. Which, by the way, I think is a really cool section. They almost do like a PT thing where he loops into the same room over and over again, but the details in the room change. Right. That I think is really neat. I think that's a cool little section. Um, And the game is basically trying to get me to devise a way so that these two don't kill each other. I'm unable to find anything with Brad. I was looking for like, like an oxygen tank or like any sort of object like that. I'm sure there is one. There is one. And I can tell you where it is if you want me to. Go for it. So the locker room, when you first get to play as Brad... Mm-hmm. he goes in the locker room and all the lockers slam shut with like the dead bodies in it. And then one of them kind of pops open. You open it and like a face falls down. Did you do that part? I did not. Okay. So there's a part where all those lockers open and there's one that is just like barely popped open. So he can go open it. He opens it. There's a brief moment where in the back of it, you see the instructions on how to put on a gas mask and then a like 
rubber looking almost like a mask face falls scares him he slams it shut and walks away and then it pops open again so if you walk back over to that open the locker it's a gas mask okay got it okay yeah that makes total sense i knew i must have missed it right Mm -hmm. because i figured it out there's so many things to miss in these games yeah for sure because i i thought it would be in that like end section where he's like like in that sort of caged off section. I thought it was going to be in there because there's a whole bunch of like interaction points, right? And I oh, scoured yeah. that thing and couldn't find it. Yeah. But so I I knew that I had failed to get Brad protected, but because I couldn't find it, I knew to not pick up the weapon because there's a wrench he can pick up that's covered in blood. And I'm like, that's a bludgeoning object. You don't get to pick that up, big dog. Absolutely not. Right. So now my brain is going, all right, Fliss has a deadly weapon. Brad does not. If I don't get Fliss out of the hallucinogenic, Fliss is going to kill Brad. Because Brad can't defend himself. Fliss can. Fliss is going to stab him. Okay. My mission in life is to get Fliss to breathe fresh air. And when I finally see that door, it's like, oh, thank God. We solved it. We did it. Right? And because I knew early before the game told me and I was able to figure it out, I devised a situation in which I didn't do everything perfectly, but I was able to get one object away from Brad and get Fliss to one other thing to keep both of them alive. And the game rewarded me by keeping both of them alive. Like Brad basically, Fliss is like, Brad, what the hell are you doing? Brad freaks out and just runs away. Right? So... That was the point where I was like, okay, I get where the game is going. And I like that it rewarded me for figuring out the thing early Mm -hmm. by giving me multiple outs to avoid this death point. Right. Right. So I like what it's doing there. It's just by doing that, they basically took the story and just shipped it down the river. Yeah. That, That was the issue, right? Because I figured it out early as a result of not the like premonitions they give you, the the dark pictures that you can look at. I didn't figure it out through that. I figured it out through them fucking up and giving me the twist at the beginning. Right? So I like what the game is trying to do. And there's a good game in here. And I feel like that good game is Until Dawn, right? Because from everything I've read, Until Dawn does a very similar thing. Mm Mm-hmm. But man, I just, whenever you take the tension out of a horror situation like that, we were both really hoping that this game was going to scare the fuck out of me. I can tell you conclusively that I stared at this game stone-faced for four hours. Nothing scared me because I knew what it was. Right. There was no mystery of the unknown. So I just sort of stared at it and went, okay, that's a hallucination. Sure. Yeah, and I think a lot of... In Man of Medan, I think a lot of it relied a lot more on jump scares than Until Dawn did. Mm. Um, Until Dawn has jump scares. Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of them. But there are also plenty of times where I was like, this area I'm in is just creepy. Right. Like, the the overall, like, feeling of it gave me more creep, like, made me more on edge than a lot of Man of Medan did. Um, And I don't know if that's just, like, the ship was kind of, like, Eh, didn't really you know do it for me or right. if it was i knew that these are hallucinogens or what you know what i mean 
So it was, it's fine, I guess, but it, it does take a lot of it out of the, the picture for me too. Um, they, they did a little bit better job of it in little hope. If you're interested in these games at all, like I'm, I don't want you guys to think we're saying don't play these games. Um, but they, they don't give quite as much away at the beginning of that game. Right. That's so it's good. definitely scarier. I'm glad they learned that lesson, you know, because mm-hmm. um, it definitely feels like I understand the need for like a tutorial like that to be there um, to teach people the mechanics before you throw them in like a situation where like they need to be able to do it in order to not have a character die. Right. Yeah. So I understand the need to tutorialize all that stuff. But you could have very easily done the exact same thing on the boat with Brad and Alex before the rest of the characters show up. Yeah, or even just don't show, like, the stuff leaking out of it. Yeah. Like, just show them putting on these, like, coffins. And we would think, oh, they put on they put on these bodies whose spirits are now on the ship. Right. Like, that would have, that alone would have been enough. You know what I mean? Because that seems to be what they're trying to drive at, right? Is, like, there are these, like, either ghosts or mutated bodies or something like that. Some kind of creatures, Mm -hmm. right, that have infested this ship. That's what they're trying to sell. But that one shot of the gas leaking out of the box kind of gives the whole game away. Yeah. You know? So it was just, like, such a shame because I was, like, ready to i don't like horror games it took me so long to actually get to start to playing the game right and i had worked myself up and i had built myself up of like okay i'm finally gonna do it i'm finally gonna do it it's a dark night i'm turning off the lights i'm scared of oh it's a fucking scooby-doo mystery that you solved in the first two minutes (laughs) well that's kind of lame that's disappointing yeah yeah so you know and it's just it's a shame because I can see the good game in here. And I really do, even though I hate most of the characters, there's other stuff in the game that didn't work for me. Right. Um, I can see it clicked right in that, that Fliss Brad sequence, it clicked of like, Oh, I get it. I see why people like this. They like that sort of logic puzzle of, okay, how do I make this happen? This happen, this happen, and this happen all in rapid succession. And make sure all my characters stay alive. So, like, I totally got what they were going for in terms of the gameplay and the mechanics. It's just that the story let it down. Yeah, I I agree. I can I can definitely agree with that for sure. And like, there was another part too that now that I'm thinking back about it. If you somehow hadn't figured it out by the opening sequence, by Fliss getting fresh air, by Brad putting on a, a gas mask. There's a part where, uh, what's his name, Olsen, like the main bad guy, he's yeah. standing in front of a vent and there's just like almost so much of this gold stuff spraying out of it that it's solid. Like it looks right. like a, a gold JPEG. There's so much of it. And he's just breathing it straight into his face and he's having a meltdown. And it's like, oh, well, what the fuck else could it be? Like, you know what I mean? Right. At that point, like it's it's very, very obvious. And that's like not... That's maybe maybe three-fourths of the way through the game. So you still got stuff left. You know what I mean? Right, for sure. And that is the other thing about this game is this game is short. This is a four-hour game that they kind of expect you to replay multiple times to get all the yeah. endings. This is not a long game. 
So I can definitely, uh, for Game Pass, it's totally fine, right? Because it's just a game that you sample, you pick it up, and you put it down. I cannot imagine how people who paid 50, 60 American dollars for this game when it first came out. These are $30 games. Okay, that's better. Yeah, they are they are always twenty nine ninety nine. Okay, um, Man of Medan was Little Hope was. So to give you an idea, the um, the like collector's edition of the next one coming out, which has like a statue of one of the the big bad guys from the game, some stickers and all kinds of other stuff. That's sixty dollars. Okay, the game itself is only thirty bucks, so it's not as bad. It definitely doesn't hurt as much paying 30 bucks for this this game you know what i mean right yeah that's definitely not as bad because i mean the production value is still high enough that yeah. like even for a four-hour game i can kind of justify yeah that's yeah 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 okay the price complaint i can take that off the table that's that's valid okay oh yeah yeah like i love these games but i would never pay 60 dollars for one like i would have paid 60 dollars for until dawn that's right. a long a much longer game but these, you know, being four, maybe five hours, if you're like collecting everything along the way, no, nah, that's not a $60 game. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, absolutely not. All right. Um, is there anything else you wanted to get into in terms of like the actual story and the mechanics? We haven't even really talked about the curator yet, huh? We should probably talk about him. Yeah. So before we talk about the curator, I have to ask you a question about the curator. Okay, go for it. What'd you think of his, like, sick-ass wrestling-style intro? (laughs) Bro, I fucking loved it. I knew you would. I knew (laughs) you would love that. Like, okay, so so the curator is, like, the frame story of the game, right? Like, the whole idea is, like, the dark pictures are, like, this library that, that the curator has. And he's, like, telling you, this story is not finished. Will you finish the story and save the hero? Blah, 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 right? Right. So it's sort of like this anthology series that he is the frame story of. Um, There is this sequence that is the opening credits after the horrible, god-awful, dirt-worst tutorial sequence um, where he walks into this just, like, bumping-ass fucking rock song from the mid-'90s, right? And it's just like, this is so cheesy and so corny, and so stupid, and I absolutely fucking loved it. I was so pissed at that intro sequence, and then that sequence hit, and I'm like, all right, Madam Medan, I'll give you a shot. (laughs) (laughs) I'll keep an open mind. If you can be this absolutely B-movie absurd, all right, you know what? You know what? I'll, I'll take it all back if everything from here is good. And as mm-hmm. it turns out, not everything from there was good. But um, I like the idea of the curator. I think the idea of the frame story of the anthology is really neat. I really like the curator. I think it's it's interesting because if you've played Until Dawn, the person that kind of takes on that role is supposed to be a psychiatrist. Um, so it's kind of cool to see them still like carrying that forward and that they didn't get rid of it. And I like that it's also the same guy throughout the whole series. Right. Like, he is, like, the curator of horror at that point, you know? Right. Like, he's not just this game. He's the connecting thread that connects this entire anthology together. And I yeah. assume that as we go through the anthology, you'll start to see his behavior change, and that will become part of the story. 
Um, I yeah. also did. I also did notice. I don't know if you have ever noticed this playing through it. I did notice him in the background a couple of times. Oh yeah, I noticed the very first time I played it. Yeah, I did. I I did too. Yeah, that and it seemed to have. It always seemed to happen right before like a death trigger where yep. someone can die. Right, hundred percent. So I like that as like a visual indicator of like the curator might be the one influencing these events to happen to try to kill these people. Right. Exactly. It lends this sort of element of mystery and danger behind him. But at the same time, he's also helpful, right? Like he's willing to help you in these situations. He gives you hints. Uh, Unfortunately, the hints in this game are everything that is gold may not be gold. Well, a fucking course curator. We all know this. (laughs) Yeah. No shit. Thanks guy. Thanks, you doofus, right? <laughs> Fucking quote Shakespeare at me to tell me what I already know. Oh my but, god, right, dude? <laughs> yeah, so unfortunately, because of the problems with the story, his helpfulness doesn't exactly come across as helpful as it should, right? Um, but I do like the idea of the curator being like this guy that like probably wants these folks all dead but is also willing to help you. Like he's like testing you by putting these challenges in front of you. Right. I, I, I think he is really cool. Uh, and he makes me more interested in watching the anthology in general and like seeing where his story goes throughout them and how they all connect. Right. Yeah. So I, I think if your job in the first game was to make the curator an interesting character and make me compelled by him, then that is the one thing I think this game accomplishes really well is establishing its frame universe. Yeah, I think they kind of they kind of nailed that part for sure. And like I said, like it was cool in the first game you had somebody like that. So I'm glad that they kept that going and that it's going to be the same person through the anthology. And it's not just like each game is going to have some one off curator that you're not going to give a shit about. Right. Like he is following through forward through the rest of the games. As far as I know, probably all of them and is like the connection of all of it. And I think it's, I think it's like, it's kind of perfect. It's super cool. I mean, I'm into it. Yeah. I think it's really neat. And uh, I also have noticed that like anytime I do not interact with the horror genre frequently at all, Mm -hmm. but it seems like every time I do this sort of frame story exists, it's so odd. Um, because the last horror game I really remember like really enjoying and playing, uh, more than like an hour or two was Silent Hill Shattered Memories on the Wii of all things. Um, I don't know why, I don't know why this particular game appealed to me, but it totally did. And that game has the same conceit. It has a frame story with a psychologist. Mm -hmm. So I don't know why this particular horror trope of the frame story with some sort of doctor or expert keeps coming up in the few horror games that i actually play but it Mm -hmm. totally does and it's so weird maybe just like it's something that makes it more relatable maybe or or maybe it's just an easy way to like present the idea of choice mattering because the the person on the outside of the story that doesn't have all the crazy stuff happening to them is like your choices will matter to your health and wellness or whatever the fuck right yeah um it's also a a solid way to present twists because shattered memories does use it to present a twist um this game doesn't do that but i could very easily see opportunities 
in future games where they could go, the curator has decided to fuck with this and choice is taken out of your hands or something like that, right? Right. It gives you some room to move in storytelling if you present it that way. So. I got you. I hear you. Um, Yeah, so that's that's kind of the stuff about the curator. Do you want to go like into some of the mechanics now and then we can talk about like specifically what we did and didn't like about characters and various things or do you want to go over the curator's cut right now i didn't i didn't do the curator's cut so that's all you dog i did the curator's cut okay okay so the curator's cut is essentially you play the game again but you see the other side of things that were happening when you played as a certain character So, for example, there's a part where you play as Conrad and he is running from this woman who initially was like very young and in a pinup outfit and looked like very beautiful. And then suddenly she's like a a zombie that's like dripping apart and it's chasing him. So during that part, you play as Brad and Fliss and you go through what they were doing during that part. Okay. And again, we're going to, this is going to kind of get heavy into spoilers. Um, whenever you're as Conrad, you find out that that was Fliss the oh, whole time. Okay. And you yeah. see it from his point of view where like he gets out of the, the, uh, the fog and like his head gets clear and he figures out what's going on. You see that from the other side as Fliss during that curator's part. So you just play as like the opposite side of a lot of stuff. And it's really interesting to see the stuff that was happening during other parts. Um, That doesn't always happen because there was a part where you know, in the game you play as Julia when you're with Alex and this part you play as Alex with Julia. And it's like, okay, well it's the same fucking thing. I just play as the other person. Um, And you can, I mean, you change, you can change like the decisions that you make during that part a little bit, but for the most part, it's the same. Um, Gotcha. A complaints that I had about the curator's cut. uh, One of them, I feel like I didn't have as much control over some stuff. So there's a part where they come back up from the dive and they, in the normal playthrough, I guess you could call it that you can tell um, Julia, like, Hey, no, slow down. If you go too fast, you're going to get the bins, um, which is a, I guess like nitrogen or something gets in your blood, like air bubbles get in your blood. If you come up from too deep in the water too fast and it will eventually make you sick and you will die. Right. Um, And during that, you can tell her, Hey, no, stop. You can't go up there during the curator's cut. I didn't get that option at all. She goes up too fast and then drinks a beer. And there's no point where I could be like, no, you should not drink that beer. And then she fucking died. Right. So I was like, you have to like almost do things so perfectly and get their relationship right so that she listens to a cutscene where you have no control. So that was a little frustrating, but I also feel like at that point, you know, I've played through the game once or more times. Like if I was going for the everyone lives achievement, I've either gotten it or know how to do it kind of thing. So it's not right. that big of a deal, but I was like, fucking really, man, come on. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is there were a lot of lines that were different that didn't make sense. So the curator's cut at the beginning, you play as the other soldier. Okay. And he's the one who's giving his friend quarters. Mm -hmm. And in the, the, the regular cut, whatever we want to call it, it doesn't really have a name. Um, he says like, he says, are you going to start a tab? And then in the curator's cut, he says, what do I look like a bank? And I'm like, well, those, I guess kind of cover the same thing. Like, why do you say a different line there? 
Yeah. Like the same situation is happening. The same thing is happening here. Why are we saying different lines? It didn't make sense to me. I mean, that's like a nitpicky complaint, but I was like, yeah. wait, what? That was fucking weird. And I may not have noticed it if I didn't play the game back to back. Like if I had taken like a week break or something and then came back for the curator's cut, may not have even noticed. Maybe not. Yeah. And I think I get the vibe that like that to me says that they want you to play the game multiple times and experience this in a different way. But like if the changes aren't significant enough to actually matter, like what incentive is there for me to play it multiple times, you know? Yeah. And there are parts of it where you can only get like, um, one of the picture frames playing in the curator's cut. So if you're, you know, trying to get all of the backstory and all of the lore or going for like all of the achievements or the trophies, if you're playing on PlayStation, that's the only way to do it. Right. And I mean, that's kind of cool. Cause like you're getting into other parts of the ship and you're doing other things. So it opening up more of the lore and the backstory of the ship and how they got there and what they were doing. That's kind of interesting if you're into that kind of stuff. But like, if you don't care about that, I mean, yeah, there's no reason to do the curator's cut at all. Right. That's, it's also that's... an extra DLC you have to download, which I mean, it's free, but you have to go out and download it. It's not just like in the game. Gotcha. Yeah, that's pretty disappointing then. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that a curator's cut, especially since we have this whole idea of the curator being kind of this sinister figure, would be more of that, like, the curator taking control away from you, the curator, like, fucking with things, right? And being more of a direct antagonist. Yeah, yeah, right. that's kind of that's disappointing. But uh, yeah, I can see why something like that didn't happen. Because then you're basically making a whole second game and they probably didn't have the time or budget for that. So I kind of get it. Right. Yeah. And that was what made it even more weird to me that they used different voice lines. Like, why didn't you just use the same one? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they probably just threw an alternate take in there and went, oh, look, see, it's different. And that's not enough difference to matter. Yeah. and, And even then it was like. A dumb difference. Like, it didn't add anything for me. It took it away because I was like, wait, how many lines are going to be different? Right. And it wasn't even stuff like that you could choose between saying. Like, if it was a choice, like, if I made a choice to say, like, no, don't go down there. And the other choice was, yes, go down there. And the, you know, the the character in a cutscene says the other option from what I chose. Okay, that's fine. Like, that makes sense to me. But this was just like character you had no control over and i was like okay i guess we just use different words here <laughs> yeah i mean it just seems like it doesn't seem like a particularly significant enough change to incentivize you to play it again yeah exactly like if you're not into the lore of these games or you're not interested in getting all of the achievements or collectibles and stuff i, I don't feel a reason to play the curator's cut for sure yeah i mean it's only four hours so it's not like you know we're playing another like playing the game for another 50 hours or anything crazy, but you know, I could also do something else for four hours. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things I can do in four hours. I like, could play, play the all, next game. <laughs> like play all these other fucking game pass games. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. You so said you want to talk about choices. Yeah. So this game is pretty much solely based on choices and quick time events. Yep. So, a lot of it is based on what you say to a character will change their relationship. And that can change the options in the future that you have to say to them. Like if your character has been an asshole to someone the whole time, you're not suddenly going to be like super kind to them. You're going to continue to be a dickhead kind of thing. Right. Um, 
And those can lead to deaths. It didn't feel like it did as much in Man of Medan to me. Um, for the most part, there are a few parts where it might, but not all that often, to be honest. Yeah. Um, what feels like it could more is if you say the wrong thing at the wrong time, or if you miss quick time events. Yeah, it definitely felt to me like missing quick time events was way more punishing than making wrong dialogue choices because it seemed like to me and maybe it's just because i did a relatively good job of making sure everybody was well most everybody was kind and respectful to everyone i was kind of a dick to conrad but other than that yeah that guy sucks though yeah fuck conrad he's a piece yeah. of shit um, <laughs> i feel like there's always someone in these games that's like that yeah there's always one character where i'm like i fucking hate you <laughs> yeah for sure conrad is definitely a hateable sort um, but yeah, so I, I didn't really feel the like tension in, oh man, maybe I didn't get a good choice here because I was mean to the guy earlier or my relationship with them wasn't high enough. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't particularly feel that tension. I'm sure it exists if you make, you know, sort of the opposite dialogue choices that I made. Uh, but I definitely felt there was a lot more punishment in quick time events. And as it turns out, I didn't know this. I'm a fucking baller at quick time events. <laughs> I didn't know. Right. I guess all that like 2007 ass Xbox 360 ass video game stuff paid off, man. Right. Like I had no problem with the QTEs in this game. Did you ever have any problems with the like breath holding mechanic? Nope. Okay. I had this weird thing and I think this, I'm going to blame it on the television that I played it on. So I played initially this playthrough. This is like the sixth time I finished this game, by the way. God damn. Um, yeah, I played it multiple times whenever it first came out. And then now I've played it multiple times for the show. Right. Um, but the first time I played it through this round, um, I was dog sitting for some family. And he has like this giant, like 85 inch TV. And oh, I missed yeah. so many of like the weird breath holding things. And I was looking and I'm thinking back on it and it was like the frame rate was fucking weird on it. So I don't know if it just like his TV was like had a very slow refresh rate. Yeah. I'm, it's, it's more like a theatrical TV than it is a gaming TV. I'm willing to bet that you probably because most modern televisions do have like a game mode setting that reduces input latency. Uh, I'm willing to bet that was not activated and you probably had some amount of input lag. Yeah. And it was like, that was my first death is one of them. I had Conrad hiding and trying to do it and somehow I missed it and he just ran and fell down a hole and died. And I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> what was this bullshit? Right. So, but whenever I was back home playing it on my TV, I didn't have that problem. So. Right, I'm weird. willing to bet. I'm willing. I am willing to bet that that was input latency on the display. But yeah, no, I didn't have any issues with any of these QTEs. I don't know, man. Like, I think they expected this to be hard. I didn't find these QTEs difficult at all. Yeah. So I breezed right through them. Yeah, and some of them are a little bit faster than others. So it's like, depending on what you're doing, maybe that's like a little bit more difficult. But like. You know, if you're paying attention and you've played video games for like more than a year, you probably know which buttons to press. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're probably fine. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. You're not going to believe me when I tell you this. Okay. What is it? What'd you do? I didn't have any characters die. Nice. Nobody died. Okay. Well, 
let me let me walk that back a little bit. I did get the nobody dies achievement. Okay. But <laughs> uh what's his name? Douchebag guy that we hate. Um Conrad? Conrad. I succeeded on the quick time event to get Conrad off the ship onto the boat to onto the speedboat to go get help. Oh yeah. I succeeded at that. So I didn't have Conrad for the entire rest of the game, which I was like, great, mission accomplished. Fuck that guy. <laughs> um, and then I succeeded on all the QTEs and all the other stuff, and I didn't stab anybody, and everybody lived on the ship. We're all good. I even saved Junior, which I thought was like going to be an impossible task, but I did nice. it. Um, and then they just leave. <laughs> And they don't even think about Conrad's not there. They just book it. And then Conrad comes back and the cutscene at the end is him walking onto the ship and freaking out and a like zombie looking thing jumping into his face, right? Yeah. So technically Conrad, quote unquote, died, but it didn't count for the playthrough. It still gave me the Everybody Lives achievement because I directly didn't kill him. Right, and I think that's probably what would have happened during the curator's cut when I had when Julia died after the credits to the alcohol and bins thing. Yes. Because I did not kill her. She died after the credits rolled. So I would assume that's what would have happened if I did not already have that achievement. Right, yeah. That is probably the same thing. Because, yeah, you see the scene of him walking onto the ship and then credits roll, and then post-credits, you see him getting attacked and freaking out right so my first playthrough i lost conrad to missing that button press and then i don't really know what happened with julia but when i was talking to junior i hadn't even like finished deciding what to say and then it just like he my character didn't even say anything it just jumped to him shooting her so i don't know what happened Mm, i wonder if you uh because you have a limited amount of time to choose those dialogue options i wonder if you just ran out of time I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Either way, she died. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try to kill everyone because there's an achievement for that, too. And I was like just a little too late to that choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the only two people that I had that lived were Fliss and Alex, and they both ended up in jail. Strange. Yeah, like the they didn't get the distributor cap and the army comes and picks them up. And they ended up in like a jail because they were asking him like, yo, what happened? And they tried to explain it and they just just threw him in fucking jail. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I wonder if it's like a what they were trying to convey there and maybe it didn't exactly succeed. The vibe I get. Did you. Okay, this is a question. Did you tell the military the name of the ship? I don't know if I did that playthrough. I don't think okay. I did. I'm going to say because I did. Because that would make sense. I don't know if this is the trigger, right? But if you tell them the name of the ship, this is a spooky ghost ship with a chemical weapon on it that the United States military obviously wouldn't want the public knowing about, right? Right. So maybe they, like, chuck you in the slammer. I mean, it is the Coast Guard. This is all one big, you know, government conglomeration, right? Right. So I wonder if that's what that is, maybe. And that's like the bad end of you get saved, but the military wants to hush hush you. So you get thrown in jail. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just I'm just speculating. Right. I think it's that's kind of what I was thinking it was. Or like they asked what happened and then they saw like all of these dead bodies and they were like, uh, there was no one else there. Did you guys just murder all these people? And they were like, yeah. "Nah, totally not. And they're like, well, 
sure shit looks like you did, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like yeah. I'm I'm gonna have to go with you murdered him. <laughs> right, yeah. Maybe maybe that too. I'm not sure. But it I do like the other thing that I enjoyed about this game is that aside from just like randomly dying on a fucking QTE that, you know, maybe you just accidentally missed, which I, I feel like is a little cheap. Um, and even then, a lot of those feel like it would take multiple missed ones, except for the one where Conrad died in mine. Yeah. But most well, of them, like, if you miss it, it's like your character trips up the stairs and then you have to hit a couple more to get up the stairs. So it's like if you missed like those four in a row, you might be fucked. But it's like yeah. if you miss one and he gets like his like back foot slips and he has to go back up the stair again. You're OK. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So I, I do like how it, it takes your choices and reflects them in the gameplay. And like, I know that there's a ton of different endings and a ton of different variations on those endings. Depending on who lives, what information you told to whom, did you get Conrad on the speedboat or not? Did you get the distributor cap? Right. Those are all like different endings. There's a whole bunch of yes, no, yes, no kind of check marks. Right. Um, that's the only thing that I think they succeed on encouraging multiple playthroughs for. Is right. that and because like, you want to be able to see all the different ways their story can end, right? Yeah, exactly. And I'm cool with that because the game's so short. Right. Like a four hour game that I need to play multiple times to get all of the endings. Okay, cool. Not a big deal. Right. Yeah, that's totally fine. If this game was the length of Until Dawn, which I think is like eight to 12, something like that, uh, that wouldn't work for me. But because the game is short, yeah, that's totally fine. And it definitely encourages you to do that by giving you so many permutations, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, so Until Dawn, main story is about eight hours. Completionist is about 18 hours. Okay, yeah, that, that so, tracks. So about three playthroughs to get everything. That makes sense. Yeah, um, and the cool thing about these two is what we didn't, we didn't get to do this, and we didn't really talk about it, but I've done this before with people, is they have a multiplayer version, essentially, um, that they call Movie Night, and you, the idea is you're supposed to pass around the controller to control each character. Right. And you can, from there, kind of, like, work together and solve stuff. And you can do that online, too. It's pretty cool. That's neat. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a good way to add some longevity. It sort of replicates the idea of, like, everybody coming over to your house to watch a horror movie that maybe one person has watched and the rest of you haven't. Yeah. 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 That's a cool idea. Yeah. I like it. I think it's really fun. I've, I did it in, in until dawn and then I've, I did it in man of Medan with uh, one of our friends. She came over and played it with me on stream. We did it of mm -hmm. like, I'm going to play as these characters. I'll pass it off. You play as these characters and we'll just, we'll kind of like talk, talk through as many decisions as we can. Right. So it was pretty, it, it's fun. I like it. I enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. There is definitely kind of my, my overall takeaway with this game was like, there is stuff to like in here. There is stuff that like, I can definitely see where they were driving at. And I can definitely see like mechanically how this game is interesting and mechanic, like those mechanics re reflecting into gameplay. I, I think there's a good game in here. Mm -hmm. I think for me, they just sort of, because the story is so lackluster and this entire sort of narrative is driven by something that's fucking obvious. I think that harms the game to a point where like, 
I don't really know that I would be interested in playing it again. And I definitely am iffy and mixed on the idea of playing any of these games further. Right. That was, that was going to be my question. Yeah. It's such a shame because like, I see what they're doing and I want to like it. I want to enjoy this. Even as someone who doesn't like horror, I can see why this works. Mm -hmm. I just don't trust them to not totally beef it again on the plot. And then I waste four hours of my life. Right. Right. At least if I watch a shitty horror movie or something, it's like, okay, there's 90 minutes of my life, whatever. Like I can definitely see myself wanting to watch someone play these in the future, Uh but me myself playing them. Eh, not really. Right. I gotcha. Um, Okay, I don't want to spoil the uh, completely different game, but I had that kind of moment with Little Hope um, where I made every right decision a thousand percent in the moment from what I could tell. And these people lived. And then suddenly I got to the end of the game and literally everyone except for one character died. And I fucking hated that game ever since. Hmm. Like I have like I loved going back to Man of Medan to play again. I don't ever want to fucking look at Little Hope again. I was so furious at the end of that game. I was like, this makes no sense to me. None of these people should have died and everyone died. Strange. Yeah. So I was like, how was like what decisions was I supposed to make? How was I supposed to get this right? So I'm Mm -hmm. like, I don't know if I want to ever do that again. So, yeah, I'm still was it like a. Was it like a they were dead the whole time kind of situation? Was it that kind of deal? Was it a plot thing that you had no control over? Or was it just they poof and die? Um, It was... Okay, spoilers for Little Hope, if you guys are listening this far. Um, It was all in a character's head. So it was another hallucination. Rosebud. Okay, yeah, fuck this series. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good, um... like... What you from what I have played of the first one and from what you just told me, like, yeah, like you've just ripped the stakes out of the game again. Yeah. So I don't know, like, what happens when no one dies because there's a way to keep everyone alive because I got the trophy or the like steam achievement that says kill everyone. And I was like, well, fuck you, first of all. Right. Um, How do I keep everyone alive? And it, it was like, I think I uninstalled it on stream. I was so mad. <laughs> like I was I was fucking done with that game and I didn't yeah. even go back to figure out how to keep everyone alive. I was like, I don't care. Fuck those people. Fuck this game. Fuck all of it. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst part, still probably going to play House of Ashes because I'm interested in see if it's the same way. Yeah, I do think House of Ashes has the most interesting premise of I do too. I, I read like the Wikipedia entries on all of them. I think it has the most interesting premise so far. So like I'll watch a let's play, but I, I, I'm probably, I probably, or I might read the wiki. I don't know. Maybe reading the wiki will be faster. That's okay. Um, I, can, I can tell you somebody who you can watch. Who's that? me. You can just watch oh. me. Oh, you can watch me on my stream or on my YouTube channel, whichever one you oh. want, wherever okay. works best for you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll do that. Okay. Cool. cool, cool. Um, all right. Any <laughs> sort of overall final thoughts or are we ready to give thumbs up, thumbs down? Um, I think that's most of what I got. Like there were a few other things where I was just like, I don't really know how this happened. Like there's a part where Fliss doesn't have pants on and then suddenly she has pants. And I was like, where'd your pants come from? Like it was just continuity stuff that I was like, that was weird. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, I have a question. Did you open the window during the storm properly? Yes. Okay, cool. I was just curious. I'm always curious about that because it's like the first time I played it, I couldn't get it. I was like, wait, how the fuck does this work? And then I figured it out. And I was like, oh, duh. Right. Yeah. You yeah, dummy. Yeah. You can do no, this. Because I, cause I, I, I heard him like counting away like to the thunder. It was like, okay, he said nine the first time and then eight. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I smash on seven. Got it. No yep. problem. Um, yeah, I got that. I got that first try. I'm telling you, dude, I was astonished with myself on how hard I smashed these QTEs. Like, I was fully expecting to randomly, like, fail one QTE, slip on a banana peel, and break my neck, right? Never even became a possibility. I was stunned. I was stunned at how well I did on those. I'm proud um, of you. Thanks, man. I, I I feel proud of me for pressing a button. <laughs> Fucking I, I pressed that button so well. I pressed that button real godlike. Hell yeah. No. All right, Spence. Let's let's hear it. Man of Medan. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Should you play it? Should you not? I'm gonna give a thumbs up. I like Man of Medan. Um, don't go into it expecting the deepest story or like, you know, the best horror game of your life. But do you like some cheap jump scares here and there, and want to have like you know a goofy time with your friends? Or if you play it on stream, you can let like your viewers decide what what options to take. You know. I think that's perfect. Or even if you have like a, uh, a friend or a, a partner maybe who doesn't play video games, they can still make decisions with you. So this is like a perfect couch sort of co-op game. Yeah, for sure. I, I had a hard time with this because again, as I've said multiple times to this point, I can see why people would like it, but yet I really didn't, but I can, there's also parts of it I enjoyed. So I think I sort of landed on thumbs in the middle. Yeah. I think is where I'm at. Um, it's not horrible. It's not like completely, you know, avoid this at all costs, which I think thumbs down kind of is avoids at all costs for me. Yeah. Um, so I think it's in the middle. I think there is stuff to find that is enjoyable in this game that gets marred by the story, not really working out. So if you don't come into it with the expectation of being scared, if you just come onto it with the expectation of, I'm sort of managing the behavior of these characters and getting your enjoyment out of that. I think you can find enjoyment here and it's only four hours. So if it, if you don't like it, it doesn't take up too much of your time. I think I'm thumbs in the middle. I think that's where I'm at. Okay. That's pretty fair. I think that's a fair assessment, especially since like horror isn't your jam. So I think yes. I have a little bit of more leniency with it because i'm like i just want horror games i want to play everything that could be scary i want it i want it in my life right for sure so yeah for me it was just like yeah i can i can see where the game's coming from i can i i'm picking up what it's putting down i just kind of think i want to put it down you know <laughs> um is kind of where i'm at uh speaking speaking of picking like things it. up speaking of picking things up what else have you been playing man uh, I have been going back and finishing Psychonauts 2. So have I. I have been super digging it. I'm still having a blast with it, so I'm glad that I'm still playing it. Mm -hmm. um, I played some Dead by Daylight last night for the first time in a while. Had fun with that. Phasmo, good old Phasmophobia, still playing that. They just had a, uh, a cool one-year anniversary patch that came out, so that's been fun. Cool. Um think that's about it over i played a little bit of the halo technical beta again this weekend 
Um, but I didn't get to play a whole lot of it because I was doing a lot of yard work this weekend. So I was kind of like, by the time I was done, I was like, I just want to lay here and exist for a little bit. (laughs) Sure. I get you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's it, man. What have you been playing? So I got a couple. Um, I've also been playing Psychonauts 2. Uh, I just hit the point of no return for the end game. Oh, nice. Okay. So you're farther in it than I am. Okay. So I'm fairly close to the end. Um, I'll probably finish it up sometime this week. Um, right now, barring anything changing, it is my current game of the year. Nice. Okay. I like it. I like it that much. It is extremely good. It runs into none of the late game problems that Psychonauts 1 does. Um, so unless this last level is just absolutely heinously bad, um, it is currently on top of the goatee listings. Which for me, the goatee listings is like that and Monster Hunter Rise. Those are like the only two. Well, uh, Guilty Gear Strive as well. But Mm -hmm. that's like the entire game of the year list for me right now. I haven't played a whole hell of a lot of 2021 games this year. But Psychonauts 2 is baller. It's extremely good. Um, The other only other game I've really been playing. And and I'm sorry if this is going to be boring to you. But I kind of have to go in on it for a second because I think this game is brilliant. Gunvolt Chronicles Luminous Avenger X. Talk about a name. Yeah, I was about to say, what the fuck is that? (laughs) Okay, so this is a, this came out in 2019. It's a 2D platformer made by NT Creates. Uh, NT Creates, uh, historically, is mostly known for the Mega Man series. They did Mega Man 9 and 10, and they did the Mega Man Zero franchise. Okay. So that was sort of my in, right? Um, I love Mega Man 9. It's one of my favorite games ever. I have a huge attachment to the entire Mega Man franchise. Um, this is a spin-off of their main series, Azure Striker Gunvolt, uh, which was a series of 3DS 2D platformers. Um, this is a spin-off game where you play it's sort of an alternate future, like what if scenario? What if Gunvolt isn't the hero of time, but it's his rival, Copen? So you play as his rival. Um, and, and, uh, basically the corporation in the main game is shitty to you and blah, blah, blah. Uh, I won't regale you with the story cause I don't think the story is great. I want to talk about the gameplay mechanics. This game has this really dope, like mark and execute system okay. that I think is really rad. So basically, um, how it works is you mark enemies by dashing into them and okay. then they get this little X on them. And then once you start shooting your gun, it will hit from anywhere on the screen you are. The bullets will bend <laughs> to like hit wherever the enemy is. So it encourages this sort of constant movement, dashing into enemies. You only get, you get three uh, midair dashes before you have to reload. Um, but if you bounce off of something, so if you bounce off an enemy or you bounce off a wall, uh, it doesn't cost you a charge. So it encourages this sort of constant dashing and you're marking and you're shooting things and and killing enemies that are already behind you. Like you've marked them. So they're already dead. You just have to mash a a bit while you keep doing the play. It's brilliant. They use it in such a cool way. It's also a really neat defensive system. So that same, that same three charges also prevents you from taking damage. If you have those charges. So, It's this sort of offensive system where you can use the dash to attack things and use them for air dashes. But it's also this defensive system 
that actually makes it really easy to get through the game if you're not good at platformers. You can really just, if you're not good at them and you want to play through the game, you can just slow down, take your time. Anytime you run out of charges, you can recharge right away. No worries at all. And you'll never take damage unless you lose all of your charges. And the only like danger if you play that slow and steady way is the boss fights. But okay. if you're not, if you want to play really fast and like zip around and do all this crazy shit and pick up all the secrets and hidden extras and stuff and bounce off the walls and fucking John Woo peoples with guns, it's rad. Like if you want to play it in this really fast uh, way, it really rewards you for it. And if you want to play it in a slow, methodical way and just get through it, you can also play it that way. That's so pretty I just cool. Think kind of gives design, you the options. Right. It gives you, as the player, it gives you that choice of how do you want to attack it. And the only negative, there's no story negative, because I know uh, the original Azure Striker Gunvolt games did the same sort of thing, but they would punish you with a bad ending if you did it that way. This game doesn't do that. That's nice. Yeah. So it will give you like your score at the end of the stage and maybe your score will be shit. You'll get like a C or whatever. Yeah. But other than that, it doesn't really matter. So if you just want to play the game and enjoy the story and enjoy it at your pace, you totally can. I think just the design of it is really brilliant. Uh, And they're putting out a sequel in January. So uh, definitely a game. If you like 2d platformers that you should have your eye on, it's going to be a good year for Mega Man style games in 2022. Cause we've got that in January. Uh, Azure Striker Gunvolt 3 is coming out in, I think, summer, so mid-year. And then we've heard rumors at the end of the year about a new Mega Man game. None of that's confirmed, but that was in that big Capcom leak that happened last year. So that hasn't been announced yet, but if there is another Mega Man game at the end of the year, it's going to be an extremely good year for folks that like that style of game. Dang, that's a lot. Yeah. That's good, though. I dig it. I'm glad that there's these options for people, you know, like we were talking about with uh, the RTS games. It's like, it feels like more and more of those games come back. It's good. Yes, exactly. Like uh, that 2d, that sort of fast paced 2d platformer market was so underserved because so many people were doing Metroidvanias. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so the exploring Metroidvania style 2d platformer is thoroughly explored by this point, but the sort of fast-paced action game 2D platformer had kind of fallen by the wayside for a while. And mm-hmm. I feel like in the past couple of years, it started to come back. Cyber Shadow is another example of a great action-centric 2D platformer that also came out this year. So that one's com- that genre's coming back in a big way. Uh, and I'm super excited by it because there was a drought for a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So speaking of 2D platformers, let me tell you what we're playing... For the November episode. Oh yeah, I have no idea yet. We are going to be playing a beautiful little game that I'm very excited to play called The Artful Escape. The Artful Artful Escape Escape is a 2D platformer that is basically about this guy whose father is a folk music legend, but he just wants to play glam rock, damn it. Okay. And so... The story is basically his like psychedelic adventure to finding his stage persona, essentially. 
Okay. Um, so it's a game about music and it's a game about breaking out of your father's shadow and that sort of a thing. I think it looks really neat. It looks really interesting. I've already looked into some of the backstory of the development and I think the backstory is fascinating. Like the lead developer on this thing was like uh, the lead singer of a one hit wonder rock band in Australia. Like it's a fascinating story. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to playing it. Uh, and I think it looks really fun and light and silly. And I think as we head into the, you know, sort of big, serious AAA game season, it will be the perfect sort of palate cleanser before we dive into that. Right. Okay. That's what we're doing next month. And I think that'll wrap it up for Spark Pass. Spence, is there anything you want to plug before we go? Um, for the most part, if you guys are super into horror stuff, feel free to stop by any of my content. Outside of this, uh, I stream on Twitch. Uh, it's twitch.tv slash MPI creates. And I'm going to hopefully try to put some more stuff on various YouTube channels. I have a VOD. I just have a channel for all my like Twitch VODs that aren't edited or anything. I just kind of throw them on there as an archival place. Um, and then I have a regular YouTube channel that I think I want to try to do like a bunch of short horror games or like demos almost of horror games to put on there for the month of October. So if you guys are into horror, this is the month where I'm going to like be head down making a ton of stuff right on. Cause it's cool. like what I live for. Absolutely. And I live for fighting games. So if you want to come check out some cool fighting game content, uh, some cool weekly and monthly tournaments that I do check me out on Twitter at the hookup FGC. Um, we are going to be running a lot of street fighter four going forward, I think, which is sort of the game that brought me into the scene. So it's really cool to be able to revisit that. Um, also if you want to contact us for spark pass and any spark pass related matters, you want to talk about the artful escape. You want to talk about any other games that we've played over the past couple of months. Now we're starting to develop a little bit of a podcast backlog here. Um, you can email us sparkpass at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at sparkpass. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your opinions on any of the games that we've played so far. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on the artful escape, which is what we're going to be playing next month. So with that said, thank you so much for your time, effort, energy, and attention. And we'll see you next month for your Xbox game pass game of the month club. Take care, everybody. Happy Halloween. Ooh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>